Most of us know someone who seems to be able to bounce back from anything. They're always looking for the silver lining in a bad situation and won't let one bad moment ruin their whole day. But what makes their outlook different than those around them? Have they done years of therapy or are they just lucky to have been born with a positive mindset? Dr. Dennis Charney, a world-renowned expert in neurobiology as well as mood and anxiety disorder treatments, says the one thing these people have in common is resilience. We study people that have faced challenges in their life, whether it's uh, trauma, where somebody has been in combat, or they've been sexually or physically abused. In some cases, it's an individual has had to face serious illness or congenital diseases, and they've been able to, in some cases, overcome them, become stronger. You know, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. And so people may have issues facing down challenges and trauma, but if you're resilient, you can, uh, you know, come out of it and still live a productive life going forward. Charney is the dean of the Icon School of Medicine at Mount Sinai and president of academic affairs for the Mount Sinai Health System. He's been at the forefront of trauma and human resilience research, along with Dr. Stephen Southwick, who passed away in 2022. Charney, Southwick, and Dr. Jonathan DePiro recently published a new edition of their book, Resilience, The Science of Mastering Life's Greatest Challenges. Charney says that while resilience can be genetic, genes are not destiny. You can become resilient based on your genetics from your family members, but also you can become resilient based on uh, you know, how you're raised by your family, by your experiences in your local community. And so that's why it's not just your genes. That's not just genetic. There are many other factors that enable you to become more resilient. After countless interviews, the researchers have compiled a list of qualities they believe most resilient people have in common. These factors include confronting fears, being optimistic, seeking social support, setting goals, and having role models. Though some of these qualities can come more easily to certain people, they're all conscious choices anyone can make. Charney says parents can help build resilience in their kids by instilling these values in them from a young age. He did this with his own children, consistently putting them in situations that were out of their comfort zone. With my five children, you know, I would take them on adventure trips that I would say were semi-dangerous, that they would have to cope with. And there was one time with one of my daughters when she was 13, it was a little dangerous. There were wildlife, there was thunderstorms. And she said to me, she despised me for putting her in that situation. But I didn't give in. And now she's a 40-year-old mother of two. She climbs mountains. She goes to Yellowstone in winter. So you can raise your kids to be resilient by not making it too easy. And just as our genetics and environment can build resilience on an individual level, Charney says communities can form a shared sense of resilience. But no matter if it's on an individual or national level, resilience is a unique trait in that you can't be sure you have it until you go through a hardship. Even after 30 years of research and speaking with everyone from prisoners of war to victims of sexual assault, Charney still questioned his own ability to overcome trauma. I was a Vietnam era, you know, in other words, I was a young man during the Vietnam War, but I never went to Vietnam because I was in college or medical school. So I was always wondering, was I resilient? I thought I might be, but I wasn't sure. Until he was faced with his own test of perseverance. In 2009, a Mount Sinai faculty member had been fired due to scientific misconduct, a decision that Charney had the final say in. But it wasn't a clean break. One August morning, seven years later, 
the former faculty member tracked the dean down in his hometown, waited by his local deli, then when Charney emerged with his usual breakfast, shot him with a 20-gauge shotgun. Charney suffered a broken rib, punctured lung, and injury to his shoulder and liver. It was a pretty serious injury. Luckily, I didn't get hit in my heart or places that might have killed me, but I did lose about half my blood. And I was in the ICU here at Mount Sinai Hospital for about a week. So it was traumatic. And so I started thinking, well, okay, now I'm going to find out if I'm a resilient person and whether or not what we had learned about becoming resilient was true, at least in my case. And I found out that a lot of the factors that we thought accounted for resilience, like optimism and role models and assimilating what happened to you into your life and many other things was true in my case. He made a full recovery and says having the support of friends and role models to look up to made a huge difference. Charney had also made a point to immediately set goals to work towards. We give what's called a white coat speech to the medical students when they start medical school. I give that speech and my first motivation is I got to give that speech. And so two and a half weeks after I was shot, I gave the white coat speech to the students. Best speech I've ever given, by the way. And though Charney's knowledge and experience helped guide his recovery, he says that even knowing all of the research didn't keep him from having symptoms. For a long time, I didn't want to watch on TV cop shows, you know, where people were being shot. I slept with a light on for a couple months. You know, I didn't feel comfortable going out for a couple months. So I didn't develop PTSD, but I certainly felt the effects of the shooting, of the trauma. These symptoms were part of a conditioned fear response. It often happens unconsciously after a traumatic experience and can make you afraid of otherwise normal situations or areas. Charney says it's important to accept and face those fears as soon as possible. And that doesn't mean jumping in headfirst, but making a little progress each day will help you overcome this conditioned response. We studied the Navy SEALs, which are an incredible group of people who do amazing things to save people. And we asked them, are you fearless? And they said, no, we experience fear. And if you don't feel fear, you can get yourself killed. But then I said, well, how do you get to do the things that are so brave? And they said, well, we do it one step at a time. You know, they gave an example that sometimes they got to jump out of an airplane in the middle of the night into enemy territory. And they say, well, we don't do that on day one. We first, you know, learn how to jump in daylight, jump at low altitude, jump at a higher altitude, one step at a time to overcome your fears. And most importantly, you don't have to do this journey alone. You shouldn't do this journey alone. Find people you trust to lean on during this time. Engage them in what you're feeling. And don't hesitate to get involved in therapy. You know, a good psychotherapist can be really helpful to you as you move forward because it's recovery is not linear. It's not, you know, without setbacks. And so don't have unrealistic expectations, but do feel optimistic that you will recover. Charney's book, Resilience, is available now wherever books are sold. You can find more information about Dr. Dennis Charney and all of our guests on our website, radiohealthjournal.org. Our writer-producer is Kristen Farah. Our production manager is Jason Dickey. I'm Greg Johnson. Coming up next week on Radio Health Journal. I think it's going to be much easier to convince the field that this is really a thing, right? This is really a subtype of dopamine neuron that does what we didn't think they do.
new research that's changing the way we think about dopamine. Then, why mold is a bigger health risk than you may think. If you ever watch like their sci-fi stuff out now about how fungus takes over the world, it's really not that far off because they really have these mechanisms to be able to make us very sick if they want to. All that and more on Radio Health Journal. I'm Elizabeth Westfield, host of Radio Health Journal. If you enjoy listening to Radio Health Journal, you'll also like our sister show, Viewpoints, which covers a wide array of topics from education to history to the environment. Here's a preview of what they're covering this week on Viewpoints. We've been on a declining course where we have fewer ties, fewer neighbors we know, fewer friendships, fewer belonging to local associations. What's causing record rates of isolation and loneliness? And what can we do about it then? I think the tricky thing is that we look at deep loss as a transformational gauntlet, and that's not fair. Some things just hurt. Some things just suck. Dealing with the tsunami of grief after loss. I'm Marty Peterson. And I'm Gary Price. These stories in depth this week on your public affairs magazine, Viewpoints. And that's Radio Health Journal for this week. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram to learn more. And check Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Spotify for a library of past programs. Plus, you'll always find previous segments and information about our guests at RadioHealthJournal.org. Join us again next week for another edition of Radio Health Journal.